Well, hey, church. Uh, Alex is right. He didn't lie to you. I'm great. I'm, I know, just kidding. Uh, no, uh, but really, in all honesty, um, I just want to take a moment to say uh, the past year that I've got to be here uh, to serve you, to serve alongside you, has been a really amazing season of health and growth and stability for me in my life. And um, you guys are great. Uh, I'm gassing you up. You're awesome people. I'm happy to be a part of your community. Um, and I'm really, really excited and genuinely, truly, deeply honored and humbled to get to be the woman on the teaching staff, which is uh, new to this church. And so knowing that I'm 25, I'm a licensed pastor, and I'm a woman, I know that um, that comes with a lot for some people. And I just feel really, really excited to get to be um, a part of that and to be with you this morning. Um, So I wanted to keep it really simple. Um, The first half or so, um, I'm going to tell you stories about myself so that you can get to know me a little bit. And then uh, the second half, I'm going to tell you that Jesus loves you and hopefully keep it simple. And then that's what we leave with today. Sound good? Good. Um, Okay, so like Alex said, um, I basically describe my job to people when they ask me out in the streets what I do. And I say it's ABC discipleship. So Alpha Baptisms and Community Groups. Yeah, super easy, yeah. So uh, Alpha, like Alex said, um, is a course, a group that we do. And what I really love about it is that Alpha stands in that middle ground between being church and being not church. So it's a safe place for people who are, would consider themselves previously churched or unchurched to come in a really low-key, authentic, safe environment to ask big questions about life, uh, to share their experiences with one another, um, and to really just start engaging in Christ-centered community. And I really think that this is the best next step for anybody in their faith journey. So even if you're somebody who's been following Jesus for a really long time, uh, I was raised in the church. I went to Bible college. I'm a pastor. And every week I learn something new. Every week I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot that that's part of the faith that I subscribe to. And then also getting to hear Jesus stories through other people and seeing how the the Lord really works and moves in our world um, is super, super inspiring. So I am a proponent of Alpha. I also have a philosophy degree. And so really any chance to just be like, hey, come eat a meal together and talk about big questions I love that. That's super fun. So uh, shameless plug, uh, the registration is already live on the website. The next session is on February 16th. Um, So after service, go ahead and go sign yourself up. And I will see you every Wednesday for nine weeks starting February 16th. Uh, He also said that I uh, oversee baptisms, uh, which is really fun. So maybe if you're like, that gal looks familiar, but where do I know her from? Uh, I have been in the tank a couple of times. Uh, So the first time I had longer hair, and then in November I had cut it off. So shorter hair the second time. Uh, With Pastor Todd, and uh, I really love baptisms. And then, yes, with Christina and Larry, I get to oversee our community groups leaders, um, which is super fun. And then lastly, with the rest of our adult ministry team, I stand out at the Info Center um, before and after services and help you guys get connected and answer questions that you might have. If you are a new person, we have a gift for you. Um, And basically just hang out and get to build community with you guys through there. So that's what I do at B4 and now this too. So here I am. (laughs) Um, Personally, uh, I am married 
Yes, I've been married for two and a half years. Uh, my husband's name is Alex. Uh, it's really funny because he is also very tall and has dark hair. And our last name is Lily. So he is also Alex L. And I often have to say, oh, my Alex, when people are like, oh, Alex, blah, blah, blah. It's not Alex Lessler. Uh, so yeah, my husband, Alex Lily, is tall and handsome. And I love him dearly. Um, he is the best partner I could have ever asked for uh, in so many unexpected and just so many really beautiful ways. Uh, we got married spur of the moment, and I think it's a really great story, and so I'm going to tell it to you today. Um, it's also really good to know, like, this is my personality. This is who I am. And uh, yeah, we got married in this fun way, but this is also kind of the way that the Lord works through my life and how I choose to do ministry. So if you are new to B4 Church, uh, Pastor Brad Williams, uh, before him, the lead pastor of this church was Randy Remington. And two and a half years ago at the national convention in uh, Foursquare Convention, which is the denomination of this church, Randy got elected to be president of Foursquare. So that was Randy's first step transitioning out of B4 and Brad's first step transitioning into B4 in a lot of ways. So I was at the conference in Nashville uh, with the church that I was at before this one, and Alex came with us. Uh, we were engaged. It was May. We got engaged in March. And uh, kind of our thing that we did during the, t the four days or whatever that we were there was we would go to all of the, like, sessions and talks during the day. And then during free time and in the evening, we would go throughout Nashville and go to the local sites and just kind of hang out and have a, you know, vacation sort of time. And so uh, this night that Randy gets elected, Brad speaks to the national convention. And this was the first time that I had ever uh, heard Brad speak before. And he gave this message about being empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, taking risks, taking big steps in life, big moves. And uh, all the while, my fiance at the time, Alex, is sitting there and he's just like soaking it in. So the message ends, we leave, and we're like, okay, well, what are we going to go do now? And Alex, my husband, was just like, if you've ever had that experience when you've been so um, overcome by the Holy Spirit, it's that like, I don't know my left from my right. Like, I don't know how to walk anymore. And you're just kind of that out-of-body experience. Uh, well, he's a very uh, rational-minded person and is a, a big thinker. And so he was just like, wow, that message really got to me like, I'm really thinking about that a lot. And I was like, wow, yes, tell me more. And Alex was not raised in the church. So this is a really big moment. And we have those moments in our life where we can look back and go, I heard God speak then, or this is a moment that I can pinpoint where God moved in my life. And I recognized it really fully. And so coming not from a church background, uh, but just kind of coming around church uh, because I was like, if you're going to date me, you got to come to church with me. Um, he's having this moment of the Holy Spirit, like meeting him where he's at. So we meet up with some people later, and he's still kind of thinking about it. And uh, there's Alex and then like seven other pastors. Um, and we're all just hanging out. And say, they say, oh, go ahead and like tell us your story because we had just gotten engaged. And we said, oh, we're going to get married in November. And, you know, this is our plan. And one of them goes, well, you know, we're a bunch of pastors. One of us could just marry you right now. 
And I was like, you know, that's actually really funny because we had joked about going to the courthouse and just like getting married. And then me, I'm, I'm thinking I'm hilarious. And I'm like, and then at our wedding, we'll say, gotcha, we've been married for five months. And everybody will go, ha, 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 that's great. And then not have to sit through a wedding. And also us not have to deal with all of the like, what size of candles and what color of this and what is it? Like, we didn't want to do that. And so we were like, oh, that's really funny. We've joked around about that. And then like 20 minutes goes by and somebody says it again. Oh, well, we're a bunch of pastors. One of us could marry you right now. And so Alex gets up and takes my boss at the time over to the corner and was like, I think she'd say yes. I think if I asked her right now, she would actually like marry me right now. And he was like, are you sure? Because that's a real marriage. Like, I'm not going to do it unless you think she's 100% because this isn't a joke. This is not play pretend. Like, you would be married. And he was like, no, for real. I think that she would say yes. So they come back over, and I'm just, like, sitting on the couch. And I'm like, oh, da, 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 you know, having my conversation. And Alex goes, okay, you want to do this? And I was like, oh. Uh. And my boss is sitting behind him, and he goes, I'll do it if you're 100%, but you have to be 100% because I'm not going to do it unless you're 100% because this is a serious moment. And I'm not just going to marry you right now on the spot. You have to be 100%. I'll do it. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yes. And so I grabbed his hand and I told you he's tall. So I'm like, I'm being led up these stairs. I'm getting married. And so they open up. They're about to close. They open up this staircase and we run up into their loft area. And my youth pastor from growing up just happened to be there. And nine minutes later, we have an iPhone video. We got married, and it, we're still married today. It worked out, and it's a fun story. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we, uh, we went to the Walmart the next day and got him a ring. Because I was like, you're a married man, and you are not going to be walking around without a ring on. Uh, he now wears his grandpa's wedding ring, which is really special. Um, and then in October, we had a big party. We just had our reception, and I wore a sparkly dress, and he wore a purple suit. And we just had a really great, fun time celebrating. Uh, and we did go to the courthouse when we got back, so we are legally and officially married. For those of you who are like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, we actually are married. So uh, our legal wedding day is different than, because you can't backdate wedding licenses. So we have a day that nobody but the two of us know, which is super fun. Uh, yeah, so that's my very fun, <laughs> we got married, spur of the moment story. Uh, and uh, other than that, a uh, personal thing about us, which uh, 9 o'clock got to hear this, but for the first time ever, we're actually like telling people this part, uh, which is I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah, really exciting. Uh, it's our first kid. Um, and I have had all of the pregnancy symptoms, so you can go ahead and pray for me with that and pray for him because Alex is a very patient man, but poor guy has been taking care of me in all of that. Uh, but that's really exciting. So uh, in July, or if I go into labor early, June, uh, we will have a baby and we're really excited about that, uh, which makes 2022 uh, kind of a big year. And I'm also like, how the heck is it 2022 already? Which I'm sure you guys are probably feeling too. It kind of, like 2021 flew by and now how is it already 2022? Uh, did any of you make New Year's resolutions? No? Okay, me either. Uh, I don't make New Year's resolutions. Uh, what I usually do 
is um, I take some time at the beginning of the new year, at the end of the previous, and I ask the Lord to, to, to tell me one word of what I learned in that past year. So for 2020, the word was big faith, and I took 2021 to try and live that out best I could. And for 2021, I think that the Lord, the word that God taught me through that year was patience. Uh, I am not a naturally patient person. I got married spur of the moment. I am not a naturally patient person. Uh, But I think that this year will give a lot of opportunities, um, especially with a tiny baby, to be a lot more patient uh, than usual. And so I'm, I'm really excited about that. Uh, but some of us don't set goals because uh, maybe the goals that we set, we have always failed at. And looking into the future, it's, well, why would I set a goal that I'm inevitably not going to fulfill? Or maybe you're like, I don't even know where I would start. But if you do make resolutions, you might make a resolution like, I'm going to volunteer more or I'm going to give back to my community or read more books, or learn a new skill. And then, of course, we have all of our self-image goals of I'm going to lose weight, or I'm going to gain weight. And all of the resolutions and goals that uh, we set are to improve ourselves. And we do all of these things in the hopes of becoming the image of ourselves that, in our mind, is the most desirable. And uh, it's not unusual for humanity to do this. In fact, I think that most of the goals that we set actually come from the same place, that we don't just want to be better, that we want to be the best. So setting a goal and uh, starting with simple questions like volunteering, uh, we're answering the question of how can I be more good? And reading more books, how can I be more right? And learning a new skill, how can I be more true? And looking back at generations before us, I think that humanity has gone through seasons of asking different questions. So I told you I have a philosophy degree, so a couple philosophers uh, that have some ideas or some questions about this. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas was around in the 13th century. He was a theologian, and he believed, like Plato and Aristotle, who we all know, that there are certain absolutes in the universe including the existence of the universe itself. Uh, This means that there is at least such thing as truth. And then in the 18th century, Immanuel Kant emerged as one of the greatest philosophers of all time. And he believed that there are intrinsically good and moral ideas to which we all have a duty. And that rational individuals will inherently find reason in adhering to moral obligation. So not only is there good, but that we must stick to it and reason comes from it. And then within the next hundred years or so from that, Kant and then another philosopher, uh, Kierkegaard, uh, they asked the question of right. And they wrote about moral obligation. And then a German philosopher, Hegel, actually literally wrote the philosophy of right, which is a little bit funny to me, like, come on. Uh, The philosophy of right or correctness. This tells me that not only do we ask a lot of questions, but that we also assume and expect there to be an answer to our questions. And today I want to look at what I think is probably the most important question and one that we certainly all ask, which is, am I loved? 
So one of my favorite philosophers is a woman who actually passed away in 2017, um, which I think is important to know because the questions that she asked and the thoughts that she had uh, were really similar to the era and time and cultural climate that we're in today. So in uh, one of her books, she uh, looks at, the, at how we reconcile having faith in God when evil happens to humans. So how could there be an all-powerful, all-good God and evil and bad things still happen? So this is her idea. Imagine in the beginning that God and creation existing really close together in this really near state. And then our engagement with evil creates this separation from God and in turn creates a gap between our being and, the, and God's being. Then all of creation exists now in this lower state. So all of creation meaning humanity and animals and rocks and rivers and all of this. So all of created matter exists in this lower state. But God loved material creation And it did so by uniting God's self to it and becoming human. So this not only restored that close relationship with God and humanity that we had in the first place, but it took it a step further. God now knows us, not just because of proximity, but because Jesus actually is us. Which, side note, uh, makes it even more important the fact that Jesus was human and not like an alligator or something. Because then that would just have a different effect on the whole thing. And I think a lot of the time we have this image of either a so distant God that there's no possible attempt for understanding or relationship. We imagine a God who sees us in our suffering and sees us in our brokenness and turns away from us, runs from us, and pushes us down into our further, further into our brokenness. But through Jesus, we see in God such a deep love that God would actually become one with that thing that is broken, endure its suffering, and make a way for us to rise out of it into perfect love. This is the love that Jesus shows, and it comes from the beginning of his public ministry, which starts at his baptism. So if you would, turn with me to Matthew 3, 13 through 17. I'm going to read the NIV version, which is the version in the pew back in front of you. And it's on page 676. You're welcome. Uh, If you don't want to grab that, we're going to put it on the screen also. Uh, So it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So we just had our uh, most recent baptism service in November. And uh, what I always do with people who are considering baptism as a next step in their faith journey um, is we actually look at the physical representation that baptism has of dying to yourself, being cleansed, and raised up into new life. 
And this is not to say that Jesus had a self that he needed to die to, uh, but this act of Jesus stepping into new life and moment of partnership with the Holy Spirit is his public, public declaration of commitment to being the anointed one, to being love in the flesh. This is also an invitation to us, an example of hope for what's next in our lives. All of the incredible things that Jesus did, the miracles that happened, the healing around him, everything in his preaching and teaching ministry, that all of those incredible things we know Jesus for had to have come out of his humanity in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Because otherwise, this Jesus that we're following would be a completely unattainable character. So looking at the the humanity of Jesus in partnership with the Holy Spirit, this moment launched Jesus's public ministry. And in fact, he he comes out of the water, and then directly after that, you would think, oh, and then he went on to preaching. He did not. He spent 40 days in the wilderness being tested, went completely into isolation, and then we have the Sermon on the Mount, his first actual public sermon which I just think is a a timeline that we can look at at a different time. But I think it's really important to see that this significant event happens. And it means that this moment when he went into the wilderness, that he had an experience of coming out of the water, the spirit descending on him, and along with the spirit of voice. So in verse 17, it says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus knew two things in this moment. In fact, two probably of the most crucial things I think I would argue. And the first is that he was loved by God. And the second is that God was satisfied. Jesus enters into his official ministry with a specific affirmation from God, which is fuel for how he lived his life till crucifixion and resurrection. In all of the conversations that Jesus had with people, he made a way for them to specifically encounter God's love as well. If you've been here for this series, Humankind, uh, you can think back to some of the messages. One, through the leper, Jesus showed us his instinct to move toward the brokenness, to move toward the untouchable. Nicodemus needed to be loved out of his rigid morality and religiosity. And Zacchaeus was proof that Jesus will hang out with surprising people in surprising places. All of these people have in common that the love of God met them where they were at and that the people around them got to partake. This series is about understanding Jesus through his interactions with humanity. So what about John? Well, John the Baptist wasn't just a guy. And he wasn't just a guy that Jesus stumbled upon near a river and said, hey, you, come baptize me. John was the guy. Like Jesus traveled to a particular place, the Jordan River, to seek out a specific person, John the Baptist, for a specific purpose, water baptism. People during this time uh, were in anticipation of someone coming to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and to restore creation, to bridge that gap. John the Baptist was such an iconic figure in Christianity that people actually thought that he was that guy. People thought that John the Baptist was the Messiah. And the message that John preached was that that time, the kingdom of heaven was near. He called people to repentance with a sense of urgency, not just feeling sorry for our wrongdoings, but an actual change of life. 
And this prepared the way for Jesus's ministry. And he's similar to the rest of humanity and to us in a really relatable way. So the questions that we asked at the beginning, John did the same thing. When Jesus tells John to baptize him, John hesitates in verse 14. I, I need to be baptized and you're asking me to baptize you. In other words, is that right? He's, he's double checking and he's wanting certain certainty and saying, Jesus, are you sure? But Jesus knew John. He knew how to respond to him in his moment of doubt. And by saying, this is the moment that you've preached about. I'm the person that you have foretold. And even though it wasn't correct by John's standards and it didn't necessarily make sense to him in that moment, it was the moment that the Lord had planned. And then verse 15 in the message version actually says, but Jesus insisted, do it. God's work, putting all things right, all these centuries is coming together right now in this baptism. And so John did it. And John was not forced or ordered to do it. He consented voluntarily to perform this ritual right after listening to Jesus's rationale. Jesus knew John. He knew how to meet him in his moment. And through this exchange, I really believe that what we learn about part of the character of Jesus is that we are allowed to have doubts and we are allowed to ask questions in the presence of Jesus. God's work of putting all things right uh, is not contingent on our understanding of goodness or rightness or trueness. It is all about Christ meeting us in our doubts and our questions and our moments like this in a really similar way. And this is what love looks like. Christ showing us that we are known, that we are loved, and that he is satisfied. So remember the gap that we talked about earlier? Love is the only thing that can fill that gap. No amount of being good or right or true has the power and no other love than the one of God coming to us has the ability. This is the power of his love that fills the gap, meets us in our inadequacy and our lacking and raises us up to be all that we can be. The new year offers us an opportunity for new beginnings. We have the opportunity to take a beat, to reflect on the past, to see where we've come, to see who we've become. It's a chance for you to recognize maybe where things are going downhill fast and take a pause. And when you ask these questions, am I good? Am I right? Am I true? When you ask, is there more to life than this? Is there more to me than the life that I'm living? The answer is yes. And there is a way to get there that doesn't involve crazy extravagant measures. It doesn't require you striving to be the very best you can be. It isn't merely taking psychology or philosophy and adding Christianity to it. It is about having abiding trust in God's love for you and partnering with the Holy Spirit. See, the message that John the Baptist preached and the message that Jesus brought, the gospel, is designed to nurture our human flourishing. God is restoring all things in and through and for Christ, and that includes our inner sense of our own well-being. And that's what I really want for us. I want for us to be able to look back at this time next year and say, I asked questions, I took risks, I saw God move, ways in, in, move in ways that I never expected God to move. 
And I want you to become the very, very best version of yourself by recognizing that the gap between who you are and who you were made to be has already been filled with love for you. And with that, I'd like to offer our benediction today, uh, which is simply a blessing in our departure. Um, So if you would, if you can and are able, would you stand with me? And then uh, if you feel comfortable, you can hold your hands out uh, like you're receiving a gift. May you be people who, one, know that you are loved by God. Two, that God is satisfied. And may you be people who allow love to fill the gap between who you are and who you are made to be. You can go in peace today. Thank you guys so much. What a great morning. Uh, On your way out, feel free to stop at the info center and uh, talk with all those great people I talked about at the beginning. Uh, Don't forget to sign up for Alpha. um, And have a wonderful...